Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Brand new from Bebel Gilberto, daughter of Joao Gilberto. Brand new album she's got coming out in August. Tribute to uh, to her father and many of the famous bossa songs um, he made. Um, there's a wonderful story she tells of being kind of at home and people like Stan Getz and, and Caetano Veloso and uh, who's the other one? And David Byrne, of all people, just dropping in to kind of hang out with her dad. Mm. Uh, I'm now joined by Scrimshaw in the studio. How are you doing, man? I'm all right, thanks. I'm great. Enjoying the sunshine. So, you know, it's lovely. Lovely day to walk up here and sort of see you. No, thank you very much for coming in. And thank okay. you for giving us the time and all the beautiful music over the last few years as well. It's a purple patch, right? It's a long, you know, there's a yeah. lot of good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess the last, what is it, three, four years now, um, I'd taken a little bit of a break. So uh, coming back, uh, I knew what I wanted to do, you know. The first, the, my first kind of patch of writing, my first three albums was this journey of discovery, I guess, and understanding everything. But... Yeah, then a few years, like five, six years between that and then this last run. And when I started again, I knew what I wanted to do. So, yeah, it's been my head's been focused and, and what I wanted to achieve. So, yeah. Excellent. Well, we're, we're going to dive into this this brand new record. Paroxysm. Yes. Interesting title. Yeah. Um, it's uh, for anyone that doesn't know it. it the word means uh, an outburst or like an attack or like a fit, like a fit of rage or, you know, an attack of anger or, or it can be even like a, a fit of coughing or something like that. So uh, that's kind of how the album came out. It was this explosive uh, expressiveness basically that happened in a very, very short period of time. And uh, yeah, I just let it all out and there was definitely some rage and anger and frustration and pain in there. So, uh, working title was Scream, but I went for something a little less on the <laughs> on the on the nose. Well, you find it, you know, in years to come, people will find paroxysm a lot more easily on Discogs as opposed to many albums called Scream. I exactly. Guess, yes. Thinking about it like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we'll get, you know, there's there's a. Uh, from from what I've read, it was, uh, th- you know, the last couple of years have been crazy, right? And this particular period of madness in this country yeah. towards the end of last year, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. And there's yeah. there's a track I will play, um, like a, a spoken word piece off the record, which yes. kind of really sums that up quite nicely. Absolutely. But uh, let's hear something from it now. Unity Gain. Talk yes. about this a little bit. Uh, Unity Game was actually one of the later tracks, I think, from, from the records. It was sort of like in week two of the kind of writing process. And... Uh, as with most of the tracks on the album, um, 
they they started one of two ways. They either started with uh, drum beats, which accounts for half of the albums where I sat and I just like um, programmed beats and then did that. And the other half was sitting and playing the piano and just exploring that. And Unity Gain was a song that um, was, yeah, very much sort of hammered out on the piano hard. And, and with most of these tracks, I was really slamming away at things and letting things out. So Unity Gain began on the piano. It was initially visualized as something that would just be piano and bass and drums, maybe. Um, but then it just kept expanding into this thing. And, uh, yeah, the title thing, you know, having many... Unity Gain is something we're using in, in the music industry in, 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 uh, in recording, um, you know, for equal in, equal out, essentially. Um, but obviously I just felt that this, uh, this, um, dual meaning for, for, you know, how together we can potentially help ourselves grow. And at the moment we seem to be pulling ourselves apart rather than doing that. Beautiful. Okay. Let's get into this. Again, some heavyweight bass on this on the end of this one. I can now put the cans on. I can hear it properly. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's quite basic. I was a little bit worried actually when I finished the mixes on it. I was like, is it a bit too much? But I think everyone seems to like it, so it's okay. Now always push it. Always push it. Always push it. Uh, we're here with Scrimshot. We're here. On uh, Soho Radio this afternoon, it's about four o'clock, um, and we're going through the brand new album, Paroxysm, great set of work. We're going to talk a little bit about your label, we're going to talk a little bit about some influence tracks you've picked out for us. Yes. But just before we, we move on, um, as you hinted on, massive time of kind of tumult towards the end of last year, and yeah. this, I also like when you said that it came out quite late um, in the writing process on the second week, which yeah. is really nice. It <laughs> kind of gives a window into how quickly... Yes. must work when you kind of get caught by something right yeah i write a lot um it, i i um look at not in a bad way but i look at writing as work in the sense that i try and turn up every day and do something mm. um there's periods when i can't do that if we're really heavily into the promo cycle or if there's the, a lot of label work going on but certainly for the last four years i've written a lot and consistently um, so I have, I'm in just good habits and good practice to be able to move quickly sometimes when I want to do stuff. But with this in particular, I'd written already two albums worth of material earlier on in the year that I was struggling to get produced for various logistical reasons. And when I came to this one, the combination of the political environment that I was finding very uh, upsetting and moving and uh, just affecting, you know, affecting my moods, uh, combined with uh, a sense of wanting to create music and struggling to get it done for logistical financial reasons and all that kind of things just led to me one day essentially going I'm changing this today and I'm going to start I'm going to make a record I'm going to do something and I'm going to write about this stuff and so yeah it just came very 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 quickly at that point and Without kind of going deep, I mean, this isn't Sunday politics, sadly, but um, but I mean, there is one track which kind of, in, in a slightly abstract way, kind of sums up what was happening in the country. What is the state of our state? I mean, yeah. Could you talk a little bit about this and the artist on it as well, please? Yeah, so this was the one of the very first pieces of music, and actually it's hard to call a piece of music, I guess, in some ways, because it's essentially a... a, a, a just a powering drum beat and a drone underneath it, which does qualify as music, but you know, it's like, it, it's, it's maybe not as developed an idea as maybe I, I'm more known for. Um, but it totally captured the sense of the rage that I was feeling at that point in time. Um, and so 
I knew that I could hear this idea of a spoken word piece over the top of it. And uh, a guy called the Repeat Beat Poet had been kind of on my radar for a while and we'd sort of like been aware of each other. And so I approached him and I said, I'm making this album. I have this one track in particular. And the album, generally speaking, for a change from the usual, is not going to have a lot of vocals on it at all. It's going to be a predominantly instrumental experience. Uh, but what I want to do is at one point in the album uh, capture all of the ideas of what this record is about and say them out loud um, with poetry. And he completely understood. We talked about the, the, the things that were really affecting me and him as well and how they, they could come together and combine. And then he came back with this piece which made total sense. And actually there was so much, he'd written so much that I expanded it into a second piece as well. So there's there's part one and part two on the album and uh, yeah he just captures that whole thing we won't we won't go straight on to it but also it's just before this this you know um scorching kind of uh uh you know head melting piece the saxophone solo from Idris Rahman it just yeah. kind of just takes off yes um but you know with political jazz records um you know jazz being ab- being abstract in what it is um of course people um you know put their feelings out through their playing right but sometimes if you really want to convey a message and it to go further putting it in words really does help sometimes yeah i just didn't want to be i i didn't want to be coy about what i wanted to say with the record so you can completely encapture all those feelings and i believe that the feelings that i was experiencing are there in the music but i wanted to really explicitly say that this is what I'm angry about. This is what is enraging me. This is what's going on in our society right now. And this is what uh, what we need to be aware of and reacting to and doing something about. And I didn't want that to just be written on the sleeve somewhere or something. I wanted it to be there. I wanted it to be like in people's faces in the, in the, in the strongest possible terms. Okay, well, let's put it in people's faces right now. This <laughs> yes. is, what is the state of our state? What is this state without me? What was this land before me? What can we be beyond brutality? And what will our legacy be? Powerful. Um, what is the state of our state? And we will get back into more tunes from Paroxysm a little bit later on. Great. Um, but as part of this, you know, you're talking about kind of uh, how you've kind of been treating producing his work and you've managed to get into a, a state where you were getting through a huge amount of, of new music whilst also running these two labels and being a very busy man. Yeah. Um, but let's pull it back a little bit to when you kind of, the, the roots of all this uh, interest in the musical way of life yeah. started, let's yeah. say. It's a very grand way of putting it, but, let, <laughs> but I've said it now, so let's go with it. Um, in terms of producing, yeah. you know, where did you first get bitten by, by that bug? Um, at, at the same time as the writing, they went hand in hand, really. And, and, and to be honest, not long after the playing, I came to playing really late. Uh, well, not really late, but kind of late. I wasn't, I wasn't like it. I wasn't a small kid. I was in my teens. I was in my mid teens when I, when I realized that, that music was what I really wanted to get more interested in and play. And I went very quickly from trying to play a few songs on the keyboard to programming beats and, and doing that. Um, sort of those back in the mid nineties, essentially early early to mid nineties. Um, so yeah, the, the the two things kind of raised up hand in hand. Um, my dad 
uh, was very into computers anyway. So it was natural for him to encourage me, not just into when I wanted to do music, not just into that, but actually into like gear and, and like networking up computers and MIDI interfaces and all of that sort of stuff. So I kind of jumped into that and started programming really early on, taking influences listening to cds of songs that i really loved and then trying to work out how to transcribe them into code on a on a on an amiga 500 you know and make them make make them sound the same as much as possible um and that made me want to learn how to play the instruments that i was recreating with technology essentially so i started learning guitar i started learning drums and things like that as well I was always, I've always been very envious of the uh, people who have kind of put on an instrument at four or five. Right, yeah. It, it doesn't always work because a lot of people do fall away and, totally. and see it as something they're being forced into. But totally. the ones that continue then kind of get to 16, 17, 18, 20 when they start to put their own music out into the world and they yeah. are absolutely incredible. Yeah, instrument. yeah, totally. I never had, never had that. The music, as a, music was loved for listening to in my home. Um, and throughout our family but there were no um, during their lifetimes anyway I didn't know that about anybody else in the family that played um, instruments at all so uh, yeah I, ne- I, I never it took for me to go oh I think I really want to do this one day and uh, and to get into playing and, and yeah I've never really never really picked up those early years sort of like skills really well I mean uh, you clearly don't need it you know you, you put the work in you've, you've found a way through anyway um I wanted you to pick a tune which which you can remember hearing and yeah. when oh god how did they make that and yeah. kind of and piqued your interest as a young producer what yeah. what have you gone for I picked uh, Bjork's um, song Isabel and I just uh, it's a really 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 vivid memory for me the first time that I put it on CD player at home and it came out of the hi-fi and I remember walking past and I don't know why I was I was kind of almost passively listening and it's the moment when the strings come through that it really um, is the first time that I had heard the electronic world, which I was familiar with, blending with this cinematic orchestral world, which I knew a little bit about, but not a lot about. But also just sonically, they're actually not even they're not even compromising on trying to make them fit together they feel like two separate things that have suddenly slammed together so the surprise of this string coming these strings coming through just was jaw-dropping to me at the time and it just completely made me think oh my god like what 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 else can you do what else is possible and it was such an early point in me learning to write and produce that it just it just gave me this energy to want to just explore it and find out how how you would ever go on to make something like that Well, let's get into it now. Björk, Isabel. Beautiful tune. Mm. I haven't heard that in a long time. Um, Actually, very, me neither. Very, very glad to give that an airing this afternoon. Carl Boss here on Soho Radio with Scrimshot in the building. Um, that was an early pick of yours, uh, talking about what kind of got you into producing and what kind of piqued your interest. Um, love it. Absolutely yeah. love it. I mean, 
as you were kind of touching on, you know, you were you found your way to producing, kind of playing music. Um, what was in your house growing up? You know, what were the sounds around you? Was that how you started to uh, to build, you know, Magpie a music taste together, or did you yeah. have to go out and and find it all yourself? No, actually, uh, the, my house growing up is the cauldron of sounds that that is in my music now, um, and we weren't we weren't very at odds with each other as a household musically. My mum and dad are quite young, and so we actually shared a lot of common sounds that we all really loved um we also lived with my nan and granddad for about uh eight ten years or something like that um during my during that period when i was starting to make music as well so i'd pay i'd like get my grandpa up to listen to the new song that i'd sort of like produced or whatever these bait beats that i'd making but yeah so we we had a mixture of things from like more trad sort of jazz sounds and big band jazz sounds that my nan and grandpa were into and and us to some degree to things like uh, as well, like Oscar Peterson and stuff like that. But then uh, my mum and dad were really into a lot of Brit funk, and um, so although I wouldn't have known it, like there would be my first experiences of Herbie Hancock would have come through that as well. Um, and then there was more pop stuff as well. I mean, you know, late eighties, nineties, pop was still so rooted in soul music anyway. So a lot of soul sounds and things like that. But you know, my dad would see something on the word and then bring a cd home or something and that's where like the first time i heard say jamiroquai which led me to learn about johnny hammond which leads you know and you sort of like all these things so yeah my home environment was very much soul jazz funk um and little bits of other kind of things out there but uh that so which is which is all the stuff that's really present in 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 my in my sound really i guess it's a perfect grounding really yeah, yeah i mean you know you can't get much better than that no, no, it's amazing. I mean, we, we played a lot of music. We uh, listened to a lot of music together as a family, vinyl out on Saturday nights and stuff like that after dinner, um, staying up late dancing and sort of like listening to music and stuff, whether that's like Stevie Wonder or it was, you know, or like, I don't know, even like random old movie themes that <laughs> my gramp was into or stuff. So yeah, this, th- these were all things. And my dad and mum both got more into electronic sounds. My dad especially into things like drum and bass and like house music and stuff like that later on. So uh, yeah, it's, it, was, it was a great place to learn and love music. I mean, a slight tangent there. So with the drum and bass and house side of things, I mean, so when you were starting to produce kind of around this period, were mm. you drawn into... I mean, how, how, why are you st- sat here um, talking to me rather than, you know, being being a junglist somewhere, for instance? Did you ever dabble with kind of those No, sounds? not really. No. I mean, um, the sounds that really appealed to me, I mean, also, just to put it in there, I was listening to some prog rock and stuff like that. I was like really into Genesis and stuff like that when I was like in my kind of mid-teens. So I did have some of my own things that were not necessarily on the agenda of like <laughs> my mum and dad and that. Um, but I don't know, I guess, uh, soul music and especially sounds like Stevie Wonder and stuff like that were the things that really, really appealed to me. So when like drum and bass and jungle and stuff was coming through, I was 
obviously completely uh, blown away when like Timeless dropped by Goldie and I was madly into Ronnie Size and into Four Hero and, and all those kind of things. But it was, but you know, arguably that's still on the soulful side of things and, and, and it was that blend of soul music and, and fast beats basically that was what was appealing to me. So I have done some of that stuff, but I think if if I'm honest, I'm not very proficient at fast music. So, <laughs> so slow music works better for me. It works for me. Works for me. Um, and you mentioned Stevie there. I think I've had your edit of "Knocks Me Off My Feet" in my on my sticks for for years when I'm yeah, playing. Right, it. that's beautiful. Closed many many an evenings there. I think. Oh. Um, but you've picked another tune here. We we start so we started off. Uh, I mean, slight spoiler. Uh, we started off the show with the Lapragunta version of, of Chameleon. Okay. The jazz funk version. Great. Of it. Yeah. But and I played that because you've picked. Herbie Hancock's Chameleon. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me about this. So this, for me, has a really important story to it. Um, like I said, I guess I'd come across, like, Thought It Was You and stuff like that by Herbie Hancock because of the Brit Funk connections and the radio stations that were playing that kind of music would play a little bit of that kind of fusion, disco sort of sound. But I didn't really know about Herbie Hancock. And I'd, start, I'd been programming music for a little while and starting to... Uh, like put them on tapes and I'd take them into school and I'd like play with them in like lunchtime practice times like with different instruments at school and stuff and one day one day a teacher called Julian Thomas who was teaching at my school wasn't one of my teachers but he was a music teacher at our school uh, was walking past and he obviously heard something that he felt had made a connection to him and uh, so he knocked on the door and he said what's this and I said oh this is some stuff that I've been programming and he's like okay great meet me back here tomorrow lunchtime uh i've I've got something i want to i want to i want to give to you and i came back the following day and he gave me a stack of cassette tapes and it was basically all herbie hancock and the headhunters and he's like go away and listen to that because i think that's the next stage of what you need to learn and listen to and so i put on uh the headhunters album and listened to comedian and i found it so like confoundingly odd actually at the time it feels weird to say that now because it doesn't feel that that odd but it is the tempo change the gradual sort of thing the switches in there the solos that are sometimes not necessarily in key they're just sort of like odd and like out there and it's just so jazz and it's a lot more avant-garde than what I was used to at that point in time so it opened my mind and completely changed my whole attitude to what music could be sold well let's get into this oh Hancock Chameleon Sacrilege, I know. Bringing down <laughs> Chameleon halfway through. Not even halfway through. Oh, no. Herbie's coming for me. I think the headhunters are in town soon, actually. I think they're at the Jazz Cafe, maybe. Oh, right, okay. Herbie is as well, soon. Is he? Yeah, yeah. Barbican. I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll check these dates while we're, while we're speaking and I'll yeah. come back more, more informed at the moment. Yeah. Um, but that's the first, the first pick um, of a couple of influence tunes um, from, well, well, the second of a few, basically. Um, the next one you've gone for is definitely, um, you know, uh, UK production royalty, right? Definitely, you can see, you can draw the line from, from these guys up to some of your early work and, yeah. and onwards. Yeah. Talk to me about Four Hero. Um... I guess you know this was this album was uh released just before I left home to move to London to try and become a music producer 
Um, it's kind of around that period as well. I guess Represent was out around that time. There's, there's that whole kind of period when music was fusing into new, interesting things. And um, yeah, this album was just... Just it kind of, I guess, like I, I like I said, I'm not I'm not great at fast music in in, in that sense, but um, in so many ways, this album represented everything that I would want to make if I could make whatever I wanted to make. I suppose, you know, the the strings that we talk about with like Björk at the start, um, the blend between electronic and acoustic instruments, um, the fluidity of sounds that you get with Herbie Hancock and things like that. Um, and just the clarity of ideas that they were producing. And then, again, going back to spoken word um, and um, uh, my first introduction to Ursula Rucker as well. Um, these, these, it's, it's, it's a fast music version of a blueprint of what I, what I sort of like care about when, when the kind of ingredients that I care about when it comes to making music. I don't feel this stuff has really aged that much. Um, no. And so much of it from that period has. Yeah. But I played, ooh, I remember which tune. I played a Four Hero tune on this show maybe last month. And I just, it sounds like it could, it could be made, you know, uh, yeah. now. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, the late late 90s, kind of around then, there's a lot of stuff which just hasn't, it's creaking now if you put it on. Um, yeah. But this stuff sounds beautiful still. Yeah, well, I think that because of like you say because of them being royalty almost production royalty in in the UK and a generation of artists that have come through feeling that way about them I guess that the aesthetic that they applied to their production and what they've done and their continuing like uh, actions in the in the scene and everything has meant that um, they have still they still continue to define that that sound and and um, what came out of that then with uh, Broken Bee and 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 that whole m movement of kind of broken sounds and and uh, and big production, you know, it still is the essence, I think, of a lot of what makes the UK sound when it comes to soul and jazz music. So, yeah, that that secures it a place in a kind of timeless landscape, essentially. And to uh, to, to break it up slightly, the flow of this, because that would be perfect time to play the tune, but I'm going to break it up in the spirit of what we're talking about. We're saying Herbie Hancock is in the Barbican. <laughs> 28th and 29th of July in the Headhunters. Um, I don't know if it's the original lineup. Right. I well, don't clearly, know. it's not the full original lineup. But anyway, the Headhunters, the latest incarnation at the Jazz Cafe in November. Right. Get your tickets. Yes. Get your tickets, guys. Yeah. Um, back to four here right now. Yeah. Um, this is Loveless. Yeah. As we await Sister Sun's arrival, Child Stars, you'll listen to my tale, Triste. As it was told to me by my sister afar. Earth her name, and this, this is her story. Sister Moon, hear me now, I fear my end too soon, too soon. My wounds are dead. Crisp still, after all these years. Loveless by Four Hero. Amazing, amazing pick again. Oh man, I, that... that. <sighs> That album, I mean, there's, there's other tracks on that album that, that maybe were the ones that really jumped out to me at the time. But when Ursula first opens her mouth and starts saying words on that, it's like the it's like she's they're just saying right we're here and it's like she's just beginning this incredible sermon, which which the whole record feels like it continues that atmosphere. 
Gravity, beautiful. Mm. Um, right, I've just I'm looking at the clock. We've got 20 minutes left, and we need to get back to your record. Ah. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna fly on here. Yeah. Um, the last influence pick I wanted from you was something that was in your head when you were putting together together this album. Yeah, um, and it's another another thing from a really strong jazz release from the last year or so. Tom Skinner. Yes, yeah. It's funny when you ask this question. I actually really struggled because. Um, because I'm making music a lot, mm. uh, or I'm working on the Albert's Favourites record label a lot, where I'm listening to music that we're working with on the label, I sometimes really struggle to find space to listen to music that isn't my own or the label's music. Um, but I just suddenly remembered that there was this record and it came out around about that time. And not only is it a really brilliant piece of contemporary jazz um and but there's the the sound of it uh, really struck me hugely you know obviously he's a drummer the way the drums sound um really just like made me like snap open and just go wow this is incredible and i think there is a little influence of the sort of sonorous nature of the of the of the way that his drums sound they sound big they sound like they occupy space you know and, and i definitely wanted to bring some of that into some of the production on my record so yeah that's that's why this one jumped out at me have you collaborated before with anything no no god no um yeah i don't uh i we've never met and uh and um yeah i would I'd, i might feel slightly intimidated by tom he's done <laughs> so much amazing stuff right and he works with like legends all the time so it's uh yeah i don't know well, Tom, if you're listening, get in touch. Um, this <laughs> is The Journey. The Journey, Tom Skinner. This Deeper Cuts of Me, Carl Boss, here on Soho Radio, 15 minutes left. We've gone way over time, but we're having so much fun. And you've picked so many great tunes Thank so you. um it's all going well back to your record now okay um over these you know handful of great records you've put out in the last five years you've pulled in a huge amount of people from the uk jazz scene yeah um and you've got another legend on this next tune i'm going to play uh nat Birchall. yes yeah uh me and nat um I'm not trying to make out we're super close, but we go back a really long way. Um, Nat, I first met through Matthew Halsall. And uh, I first heard about Matthew Halsall years ago. I was at Planet Festival in Malawi, in fact. And some people said, there's this guy like up in Manchester and like, he's playing this stuff. And it's like, right, okay. And... Um, and then we booked him to play uh, with my old partner at Wawa 45s that I used to work at. Um, we booked him to play at the Vibe Bar in Brick Lane, Matthew Halsall, and that's where I first met Nat. And not long after that, Nat started doing his own band as well. And uh, he, in fact, supported uh, me on my debut album, Launch Party, mm. which is like back in 2009, 2010, something like that. And... Uh, We've always, yeah, kind of stayed a little bit in touch. Um, but I got him involved on the album before this one, uh, Nothing Feels Like Everything. And that's the first time we've actually ever collaborated. Um, and it's just such a beautiful experience because I go to Nat because I'm expecting something in particular. He has a way of channeling energy through his playing 
that is like you set it down and that will respond uh in his way he will i get the impression he go he puts it on maybe he listens to it once or maybe he just gets straight in there and, and responds as an absolute reaction in that moment in time and then it comes back to you and i don't get like four or five tracks of options it's like this is what this is what happened and and i love that it's it's such a such an incredible um it feels like something that's just been drawn down and, and passed to you and that's a wonderful thing i mean the way he, the way you kind of you know when when you hear him kind of talk about um the people he admires um and his his projects as well there's definitely channeling um the spiritual jazz tradition yes and so yes i mean that makes total sense right this yeah. this this is the way it came out this is this is right this yes is it. yeah that it's the it's the honesty of that this is what happened this and and you know i mean he's he's such an incredible player that it can be that it can be anything it could be anything but yeah the, that is precisely what you want in that moment is the honesty of that one moment of response to something that you've created well let's hear your collaboration before we run out of time this is unforgotten unforgiven yeah featuring on that one and that is it i had the microphone open for about 20 seconds there but i couldn't i couldn't talk over the ending of it, it was too nice yeah. um we're at the we're nearly out of time man thank you so much for coming in though it's been such a massive pleasure thank you for having me um i really wanted to get into briefly um briefly sum up some of your life's work uh <laughs> albert's favorites yes uh i've been running for about six years now and uh, we work with some incredible artists. We're having a very busy year at the moment, but we've got people like Hugh Mark Bennett. Um, Mark the Clive Lowe had a project on the, on the label. Um, we recently worked with a group called Qualia, um, that just put out an album. Um, and yeah, it's uh, a place for soulful jazz sounds, essentially, that, uh, you know, a lot of instrumental music that has been, but uh, yeah, it's... Um, I love it, and I love how it's starting to develop and turn into like this this beautiful um, community. And to to kind of to to join the thread back to talking about your influences as well, I feel the name's got a personal connection. Yeah, totally. So, uh, well, I talked about my granddad, um, and um, when we were kids, before we were going, we used to go on holiday to South Wales a lot. Um, and in fact, like when my mum and her sister were kids before that as well. And my grandpa had this habit of every summer before the big holiday to Wales, uh, he would buy uh, vinyl copies of everyone's favourite songs uh, at the time. My nan's, his, my mum's, or my, mine or my brother's, depending on what, what decade we're in. And uh, and he would create uh, a, a cassette tape to go in the car. And the cassette tape was called Albert's Favourites. And uh, so I knew that one day when I started a record label, that would be, that'd be the title. That would be the name. That's so sweet. I mean, you know, uh, 
from what you've told about your kind of upbringing, you know, this 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 was this was in the stars, right? You know, you've been you've got digging in the blood, you've got musical discovery in the blood, and it's nice to see it all. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. still running through. I knew, I, you know, this all kind of like came together at, at thirteen, fourteen. When I knew I wanted to do music, I think uh, it wasn't long behind that. All these other elements, the label, the community, the sense of doing something uh, like that, was all kind of there, and it's just been it's just been a long path to try and find and do that. Thank you so much, man. Um, pleasure talking about this record. Um, this is nearly it on Soho Radio. I'll be back same time next month, but we're going to play out with one more tune from Paroxysm. Tell me about Flames. Flames, um, one of the first tracks that I wrote on the records. Um, it's the one of the most vocal sort of tracks on the album with Faye Houston, who is just one of the most incredible singers that you can ever come across. And uh, she sings some words that I kind of worked on um, with her uh, about how someone can uh, kind of breathe life into you and breathe. We use the word fire in this in this instance, but how they can leave that energy inside you even even after they've gone. Thank you so much, man. Let's get into this. Pleasure talking to you. Thank you. <laughs> 